From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and Skywarn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. Uh, this is the Stormfront Freaks podcast. It's brought to you by Extreme Tornado Tours. They're the world's most popular storm chase tour company. Uh, it's probably because these guys always seem to be on the major storms. But uh, seats for the 2019 season are filling up fast. So go ahead and visit ExtremeTornadoTours.com so that you can reserve your seats and also learn more. Uh, ETT, got to be there. So uh, we're happy to be uh, sharing and partnering with those guys. If you happen to be a first-time listener tonight, thanks for stopping by. Be sure to go to stormfrontfreaks.com, access our library of previous shows and famous guests from the weather industry. Uh, one of our more recent episodes uh, had meteorologist and American ninja warrior Joe Morofsky uh, was on with us. But tonight, this is episode 74, and as part of our Coast to Coast with your favorite TV meteorologist series. We've got morning meteorologist and storm chaser from Fox San Antonio, Brad Souter is joining us tonight. Hey. Uh, so welcome, Brad. We'll, we'll be playing our lightning round game with him. Uh, and in light of the deadly Lee County, Alabama tornado, we're also going to be asking the question, if, if there's really anything more we can be doing to try to save more lives. Uh, so we'll get into that topic. We also have our new tracker chat and tornado track segments. And then we'll also try and lighten things up a little bit at the end with our hashtag weather fools and a visit from weather trollbot 5000. Uh, yes, yeah, she's coming back. Hold, <laughs> hold your applause. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to share uh, it's national weather podcast month. And we're encouraging everyone to take the Weather Podcast Challenge, where you listen to an episode of each of the six weather podcasts this month. Uh, you can visit weatherpodcastmonth.com, find out more, learn more about some of these other great uh, weather podcasts like Weather Hype, uh, Ice Station Houseman, Weather Brains, B Squared, and then with us tonight from the Carolina Weather Group podcast uh, is co-host Chris Jackson. So, Chris, Woo, welcome. welcome Chris. All right, here, guys. Thanks for having uh, me. You got to make sure uh, you signed the waiver form before you came on, because you got to make sure. I, I, you I know think I missed that. Need. You might want to shoot me another email with that one. Yeah, I might have to do that. So. <laughs> but hey, it's uh, it's always happy hour uh, here at Stormfront Freaks Bar. Best way to introduce our co-hosts. And also kind of let you know that we kind of like to have fun around here is to find out what everybody's drinking. So I'm going to start uh, with our intern here this spring, yep. Morgan Clarks from Ohio State University. Uh, it's good to have you back. What are you drinking tonight, Morgan? Um, today I'm drinking, I'm actually double fisting, starting off with a Ooh. LaCroix okay. lime. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's, it's non-alcoholic lime LaCroix. And then uh, Braxton Brewing Company, Grater's uh graters ice cream my cincinnati guys know know what's up with that mm, the black yeah. raspberry black chocolate raspberry. chip flavor yeah. they made it into a milk stout no drink it sipping really? on that, I've never yeah, that yeah it's pretty good oh. okay. yep yep braxton uh braxton's out of uh northern kentucky there good 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 place covington yeah yep so Found all right kroger awesome mj <laughs> nice. mj what are you drinking tonight uh we got a Michelob amber tonight 
Yeah, keeping it simple. Right. Keeping it simple. Yep. That's good. Maz, what do we got? So, Morgan, is that alcoholic beverage? The beer? Yes. Yeah? The LaCroix, okay. no. Okay. So in, well, I figured the LaCroix. In 40 <laughs> days, I'm going to have one of those. Uh, oh, did days. you give it up for oh, Lynn? Yeah. I am beverageless. Beverageless? Wow. Anyway. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at y'all going, oh, I should have given right, up something else. Mad, I can tell. We yeah. can't have him on the show that's, for another 40 days. No. He's getting irritated. <laughs> All right, Dina. Already. Dina, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I have some of that yeah. old smoky uh, blackberry moonshine with, and you put a lot of like cranberry juice and stuff in it. It's so mm. good. good. Tasty, and it's mellows you right out. Nice, nice. We All need right. you to do a breathalyzer as the show goes on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not driving. That's true. Uh, and then Chris, Chris Jackson, uh, would, I, I really didn't kind of tell you how we do things around Stormfront Freaks podcast, but uh, what are you drinking tonight? Anything? It's all it's all good as long as we got beer. I got a Sweetwater Blue here. That a boy. Perfect. Nice. Welcome. You 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 belong you belong with the team now. You're in. <laughs> I I, I, uh, Brad, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask you anyway. Our guest, uh, uh, you happen to bring anything with you tonight? Well, uh, I, I've I've got a glass of water, but not just that. I I do within distance reach at a little uh, Sierra Nevada. Uh, oh. Little some torpedo. Oh. Uh, they've got a new brewery there, there in uh, Christian, uh, the Carolinas. There in uh, uh, Arden, actually. Um, so also, of course, in uh, California, about the Carolina one's really beautiful there. Mm. Very nice. Well, let, let's uh, let's do this. Well, we'll, Brad, let's give you a real good, much better introduction than that. But I'll turn over to Dina. All right, I'll do my best. All right. Tonight, we welcome Brad Souter. He's the morning meteorologist from Fox 29 in San Antonio, Texas. He's an Emmy Award winning severe weather expert, recently spent several years forecasting morning weather in Oklahoma City. And was featured was a featured storm chaser during severe weather. He is one of the only meteorologists that has chased tornadoes from a helicopter. Before Yikes. Oklahoma, Brad forecasted for a number of years in Colorado. Brad is originally from Virginia and is an atmospheric science graduate from the University of North Carolina, Asheville. So, Brad, you've been all over. Most meteorologists that I meet have moved multiple times. Um, but really you've had, you've lived in Virginia, you've had Colorado and winter weather, and you've had Oklahoma city and San Antonio. Like what's the craziest weather you've ever seen? Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, that, you know, you've got a taste for all of that a little bit, I guess, you know, um, for me, it's probably Colorado probably had the craziest day to day change. But when you come to the most extreme, you know, Oklahoma, obviously, just with insane, insane characteristics of severe weather. I mean, that, you know, it doesn't get any, any bigger than that. I always the wonder, most yeah. Well, I always wonder because people say, uh, sometimes I expect them just to say some tornado and then they'll be like, oh, it was an ice storm or it was this. And it, so it's definitely always a different answer. It is, you know, I, Oklahoma doesn't have quite the variety that, that Colorado has. So there's more weather in Colorado. Oklahoma, you have three months of, of craziness, maybe, and maybe less than that, but the potential is always there. You know, in Colorado, you go from having a blizzard one day to 85 yeah. degrees the next day and back to another blizzard again. There's just a lot more day-to-day -day change. 
you know, with the marijuana ban lifted, uh, some more of everything in Colorado now, isn't there? <laughs> I guess they have to do whatever to, to, maybe to nobody cares. Out whatever, you know, need some something to relax them a little bit, maybe. So what, what was the reason? Why'd you, why'd you move from Oklahoma City to San Antonio? Well, you know, being in Oklahoma for five or, or six years, it, it, it's, it, it's busy. Uh, when it's real busy, it's real busy. We moved there at the end of 2012. My family, my, my daughter, uh, it, I didn't get to see as much of them as I would like to, honestly. So it's almost like in order to appreciate life, in order to be able to storm chase more on a when you want to base i had to kind of get away from it all it's kind of like the person that lived in vacation town never really gets to vacation uh you know because they're always there so i kind of had to pull back a little bit something a little more stable uh you know away from it all and just try something a little different what how, how different is forecasting in san antonio compared to Oklahoma City, much different. Well, San Antonio is very, very quiet. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of day-to-day variation. So really the move for us to San Antonio was one to where I can have more of an expected regular schedule, but still when severe weather season comes around, you know, chasing in Texas, and that's what we're going to be doing here uh, with the station, is I'm going to try to do some of the similar things that we did in Oklahoma where I would do morning weather and then go out and chase on the bigger weather days or have somebody fill in as well just to be able to get out there. You just, you, you prefer to just be more of a lazy forecaster is kind of what you're saying. <laughs> I think right? so. You, you I think to... so. <laughs> yeah. After, after 2013 in Oklahoma being my, my first season, that was, you know, baptism by, by fire there. And then uh, just to be able to, um, Try something a little, little, little less extreme. You know, I don't necessarily like the severe weather coming to my house. Right. Um, yeah. Well, one thing about uh, San Antonio is one, it's very hot. It gets so hot there, and two, San Antonio floods very easily. When there's yeah, a lot of rain, they flood all the time. No doubt, there there are more low water crossings here than anywhere else. Some people call this the f- f- flash flooding capital. Uh, of the country and you know there's a big responsibility in that so either you have a flood or you have a drought or it's just hot as heck but um (laughs) not not quite as many extremes i would say do we know who actually has the flash flood capital well you know here in 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 this area uh right under the soil about 18 inches down you have this this limestone uh, bed i mean there's tons of tons of limestone so with the hill country on the north side and as you make your way up towards austin you get two inches of rain and once it hits that that solid rock it just runs right off the ground doesn't hold that much water so when it all runs downhill it's like a giant parking lot, if you will, for hundreds of square miles. Mm-hmm. So flooding gets really bad really quickly. And, and there's a ton of people obviously moving into this area and not everybody gets the warning and uh, everybody's in a hurry and they, they try mm-hmm. to get to where they're going. And, you know, unfortunately things happen. So how many weather hits do you have a day? Cause mornings is insane. It's a lot. We start our our Fox uh, morning broadcast at 5 a.m. and it runs till 9 a.m. So it's a four hour show. And then we come back on from 10, uh, 11 to noon. So yeah, I can't even figure it all out. Wow, that's uh, so a lot. That is a five lot. Five hours of shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and every five or 10 minutes a weather head. So it is a lot. It is a lot for sure. 
You need to ask for so, a raise. Yeah, really. <laughs> so I, I, I got to tell you something, Brad. I, I remember back in uh, 1986, uh, I remember the day because we were actually watching TV. This was in um, Fridley, Minnesota. And there was a CARE 11. It was the, I think it was the NBC station. Um, and MJ, you might remember this. Correct. Uh, but Max Mesmer was a, a mm -hmm. helicopter pilot. And I, I had read a little bit after the fact, but they were up in the air trying to shoot some parade or something that was going on near the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And there was a tornado. And so they left uh, the parade to go film the tornado. And so from their helicopter, and he was report. So here's the pilot is the live reporter. And then he had a cameraman in the back. But I remember watching that. We were watching it live yes. when it was happening. Yep. Uh, this helicopter image uh, filming a tornado. So when, when we, I saw that you had uh, chased tornadoes in a helicopter, I'm like, God, I remember that. That's so cool. Yeah, so, so I guess tell us a little what, what, what that's all about. It, it's, it's scary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, my God. Yeah, with all the equipment weight in the chopper, you can only – you can't take another camera person. So we, we were in a, a Bell Ranger, and it – I was running the cameras in the back, so I had to sit in the back seat. So most of my view were the screens. And you would forget that I'm – next to the storm at 2000 feet because you're still kind of watching it through a screen. You would only remember that, holy crap, I'm right by this door <laughs> when, when you start moving around a little bit and your pilot saying, hey, I, I feel the inflow. It feels like it's pulling us in. I'm like, well, we can't be right here. We'll you know, the other way. Know. <laughs> Danger. Uh, Danger. so, um, you know, visibility is an issue. I, I feel like on the ground you can see more. Uh, I think the advantage of, of the chopper is, of course, you have a great camera. You don't have any trees or anything obstructing your view. Uh, you can get somewhere a lot quicker. You don't have to worry about traffic necessarily. But on a storm day, it's hazy. It's humid. And you can only see so far before kind of the, the visibility is obscured. At the ground level, you can get a lot closer too close and um you can't get all that flow. close yeah exactly <laughs> and drive out of it hopefully but yeah you can't get in the hill core you, you can't get in the the rear you can't go behind the storm in the chopper because the wind is pushing down uh rear flank downdraft that'll, that'll ground a, a, a chopper or a plane so there's a much more limited area where you can be where's the fun in that if you can't do this <laughs> you can't do that yeah, God, if you're tough, you get in the rear flank downdraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe in a car, maybe in a car, uh, you know, but but not not at a chopper. Yeah, it's you know what I I prefer being in a vehicle. You know, so you can stop at a gas station, and grab <laughs> grab a drink. I like. It. Um, but I did it for a couple of years, and you know, it's just kind of one of those boxes that say, "All right, I, I've tried that, done that." <laughs> how, how many how many tours did you see? I mean, I mean, how often were you guys able to get close you know uh the my first my first tornado actually uh from the chopper was may no i'm sorry it was march march 20 uh march 29th i think 2014 and it was one year after the the moore tornado where it occurred in moore actually it was an ef2 
and it was kind of the first test where, all right, we just had the F5, you know, in 2013. Now we have this EF2 coming in. So, yeah, it was right, right back in that corridor. So that was the first tornado from the chopper. It, I feel like it's harder to see from the from the chopper actually because you you are so limited on where you can be. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I can tell you, I fly airplanes also in South Carolina. So in the summertime, you know, you got 70 degree dew points here, and on a, on a good day, even though it might be clear, visibility aloft might only be five to seven, eight miles, just just yeah. because of the humid air. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, or, or on a on a day where the, the the bases are so low on the storms, you know, you uh, they're they're scraping, you know, just a few hundred feet off the ground, so can't can't even be anywhere close to that. You guys are crazy. Like, well, what's next? Like, hang glider in a tornado or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. We got all these aviation like enthusiasts too. Uh, absolutely, I, that was my beginnings too. I, I'm more a home in the air than I am on the ground. Not gonna right. lie. Good. <laughs> wow. So, so Brad, tell us a little bit then. What what are the chase opportunities like down in San Antonio? What have you seen? Um, have you have you had a full season down there yet? You know, twenty eighteen is pretty quiet uh, okay. uh, nationwide. I didn't do any chasing in, in two thousand eighteen. I mean, okay. Texas was quiet. Oklahoma was quiet. Um, this this season, I think we're going to have just based on, um, you know, obviously it can't be any quieter than last year. It, it's going to be busier this year. It's a little bit of a slow start, but we just saw what happened, obviously, in Dixie Alley. It, it's all going to shift. You know, we know that the planes open up in April and in May. So uh, I am planning on getting out um, in April and May. Uh, San Antonio, you, you've got to go north of San Antonio, just north of the hill country. You get up uh, just north of Austin, up into the Waco area, of course, and all of Central Texas. You uh, you get a lot busier there, and then of course, um, you know, uh, the Panhandle, uh, Texas. Um, so, yeah, I, I do plan on getting out there quite a bit, as long as uh, I'm kind of one of the backyard chasers, you know, as 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 long as it's close. Okay. Do you, so does your market reach up that far to Waco, Austin, that area, or? Oh. So things have changed a lot market-wise in, in television. You know, in the every year previous, within the last couple of years, markets are getting blurred. The boundaries on where a market starts and where it stops are kind of going away. In fact, FCC just last year uh, changed the law saying that you don't even have to be in uh, the market to broadcast with, within that, um, meaning that markets can merge. You can have, uh, and I think it's a little bit unfortunate, a lot of areas where the traditional mold is other markets are going to gobble up each other. I think uh, stations are going to become more regional. Uh, I work for Sinclair Broadcast Group, of course, a corporation that is really expanding. And since it's a corporation, they like to uh, do everything as efficiently as possible. So we, the Sinclair has markets in Austin and in Waco and uh, uh, other markets in Texas that aren't as large as San Antonio. We have a lot more resources. So we're going to be able to provide some of the tools we have uh, and serve some of those other markets. You know, if you, you want to raise, <clears throat> start doing a forecast for Seattle and just say that's part of our market now. <laughs> there you go. Well, do you think these, these markets are going to gobble up the other ones and... Just, they're, well, they're going to be gone or 
you know, with with the whole um, cheaper is more mentality, just when it comes to everyone's trying to find a way to maximize um, resources, if you will, where, you know, we love automation and we love computers, but we're training all these computers and automation to take our job away from us, right? With, with every sector everywhere. So we, we love the computers, but they also uh, are, are replacing jobs. So I think every sector kind of has that going on in, in this day and age of just, um, you know, corporate America. Um, but uh, you kind of have to do that to survive as well. Um, you saw what just happened to um, Staples, JC Penney, it was around our whole life, you know, mm -hmm. um, Penney's um, or, or Sears, you know, um, things that have been the way they are aren't going to stay the way they are. And TV is one of those things. How, how do you see yourself having to adapt a little bit? Where, where do you see yourself having to find a niche? You know, you really have to keep an open mind uh, and, and, and try everything you can think of. Um, I, I tell you, know, I, you do the, the, the chasing in the helicopter, you do school visits, you do webcasts, you build up your social media following. You, it's almost continuing to throw throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think we always know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Just like with social media, what platform rises from the dust while the other one comes down? What happens with broadcasting? I think the clearer picture is still not quite there. I think it's more in focus now than it was a couple years ago. Um, I feel as though a lot of broadcasting is gonna be a lot more specific and a lot more targeted. You're not gonna be forced to watch the severe weather coverage if you're not affected by it um, on TV. Right now, you interrupt somebody's show, somebody that's not in the warning, oh, put it back on, put it back on. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to get better. Do you do have to do a lot of digital hits, or do they just clip your TV TV stuff? So we we will clip, obviously, what, what's happening on air. I, I think, really, it comes down to what's the weather event? Um, is, is it a day-to-day -day weather where you, maybe you don't need a meteorologist that day? You could ask your phone, you know, what, hey, what's the weather going to be like? It's sunny and 70. Okay. But I think people now tune in when there's something happening, when there is a storm, when uh, there is a warning. You want to be there for that always. And I think you do more in, in those events. And I think there people will respond to that. So I think it's more coming down to an on-demand type of of product that people want and um, I, because yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to speak as like you know the younger generation that has mm -hmm. always had the internet um we i feel like i agree with you that um we do actually pay attention more when stuff is actually happening when there are events because i don't have cable i don't have you know the local channels all i have are like i have a roku tv you know, and so I won't really watch the weather. I'll look at different. I mean, you know, I'm a little different meteorologist looking at models and stuff. But my friends, they trust their phones more. And if something happens, sure. they'll look at they'll look at the local meteorologist that they follow on Facebook, maybe. Um, so, I mean, you're still you still have an impact. And I'm sure as time goes by, we'll adapt to cable and stuff. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, what, yeah, on, yeah, exactly. I, I was going to say on that note, Brad, what 
What, what's some advice, knowing how you've even had to adapt since you've come into the industry, what's some advice you can give students or other people that might be looking to get into TV meteorology? What, what could you tell them uh, on what they can do to help them here as we're moving ahead, moving forward? You know, I wouldn't focus so much necessarily on, on, on television or focus on um, whatever platform it may be, but, but I also go and I try to communicate and tell students that maybe are thinking a weather service career or a research career and encourage them to be really good at communicating face-to-face, camera-to-camera, because even if you think you're just going to be more of a research and you're not so comfortable talking in front of people, well, you can always better yourself doing that. And the more you can leverage being uh, comfortable in front of people, the better opportunities you will have because there's definitely going to be a market of, of just good communicators and good people that are, are communicating warnings and information face-to-face. We don't want a robot. We don't want... Um, uh, Alexa needs a face, right? Hopefully I didn't set any of your devices <laughs> off. Uh, she right. needs a face. Uh, otherwise, she would have re- replaced um, uh, people that, that bobbed their head a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> people that bob their head all the time. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. tell you what, we're going to do this. We're going to take a short break. Uh, go ahead and refill your drink and uh, check out our tracker chat segment with the tornado trackers. They're discussing camera equipment. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tracker Chat. We are the Tornado Trackers, and this is your bi-weekly information on storm chasing. I'm Jeremy Heyman. I am also followed by my chasing partners, Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. Doing great. So what we're talking about today is photography equipment, and there is a lot of it, a lot of options, a lot of opinions. Um, you can pretty much use anything and everything while storm chasing. Um, so let's kick it off with you, Gabe. Gabe, you are the most professional filmmaker of uh, all three of us. So I am uh, very interested in hearing what you prefer while uh, taking video and photos while chasing. Surprisingly, you would think, because I'm a filmmaker, that I would have a lot of opinions, um, but I do not. I have never been a gearhead. I've been a visionary with an uh, image in mind that I pursue, but um, as far as the gear that I use to capture that image, I've never been super picky. So I can talk about what I have now, um, which I absolutely love, which is the Panasonic GH5. I have used that in blizzards and nor'easters and uh chasing tornadoes and multiple hurricanes and it is a fantastic camera and it is most importantly water resistant um i kind of abuse my cameras so i don't have a case for it which i should um but in chasing the blizzards um and the nor'easters you know with salt spray and in the hurricanes uh, I have not covered it, and it's held up amazingly. So when it says weather-resistant on the GH5, you can believe it. It has been tested. Cool. And you do shoot some 
incredibly beautiful images. Check out uh, Tornado Tracker's 2018 year in review video on YouTube and you'll see that being featured on there. Uh, Jeff, uh, you are known on our team as uh, the the gear horse. You have a lot of gear that you bring uh, along on chases, but if you could uh, briefly give us a rundown of uh, what you like to use while chasing. Yeah, uh, I struggle with uh, FOMO, so there's always the fear of missing out on a particular uh, part of a storm. So um, I have a, a few different things going on at the same time, for better or worse. Uh, for photography, I have a Canon 6D. And so I've used that uh, some for video. Uh, it doesn't shoot 4K, but um, shoots great uh, photos. Um, I had a Panasonic um, HCVX 870, and so that's a 4K camera. Um, it did not do well in low light situations, so that was always a, a bit of a frustration. But it was, it was good for me. It, it is not water resistant, and so Hurricane Michael uh, treated that thing very, very poorly. Um, and then I always have one or two GoPros um, going on, uh, and preferably something uh, uh, utilizing 4K and kind of the, the wide angle uh, facing forward. And if I can, I'll have one facing back. Yeah, it's it's so fun to uh, finish a chase and then pull up the the GoPro footage and kind of get a little present, a little surprise. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. And and I am kind of the the weird uh, chaser in terms of uh, gear. I love using uh, my iPhone. I have an eight plus, which I love. The iPhone isn't obviously a professional grade. Uh, video capture device but it does a really really great job and one of our most popular videos on youtube was shot on uh, a 7 i believe in 4k the oklahoma winniewood ef4 and it just it looks great it looks really looks really beautiful and so i i use that a ton i also have a sony a6000 uh it's a great uh consumer cheap consumer mirrorless camera and sony is just super solid so as you can see we we're all three of us are uh we kind of march to the beat of our own drum one of my favorite pieces of advice on cameras i've ever heard is uh the best camera that you have is the one that you have on hand so um if you have an iphone use your iphone if you have an ipad you know and you want to <laughs> and you're out there and that's all you got you know shoot some pictures and videos on there but um, yeah, I want to, I mean, I'm going to add on to that iPhone sentiment too. Hmm. That's how our team started. We were all shooting exclusively on iPhone when we first started. I was even making sales with my iPhone footage for a while, which helped me to save up for the GH5. So hmm. don't discount your iPhone. Yeah, absolutely. And they're just going to get better and better. And, and, you know, Android phones too are are, are wonderful the i know the camera on the um the pixel 2 i believe is is kind of the the industry standard right now so very cool well thanks guys uh this has been tracker chat with the tornado trackers um thanks for joining us we'll see you next time
HelicityDesigns.com is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and you. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freak's podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 5% discount on your entire order when you use the code SFF for Stormfront Freaks at checkout. That code again is SFF. Find it all at HelicityDesigns.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're with Fox San Antonio Morning Meteorologist and Chaser Brad Souter. Uh, we're going to jump to our question of the week. And, you know, there hasn't been a major EF4, EF5 uh, tornado uh, or deaths uh, from a tornado uh, all of last year in 2018. And the first EF4 that we have here in 2019 causes 23 deaths in Lee County, Alabama recently. So I, I wanted to kind of ask everybody, ask all the freaks and our guests, what more can be done? Okay, there, there's, there's only been 100 deaths in a, a, in a year, four times since 1980. Okay, so in the last 39 years, there's only been four years that we've had more than 100 tornado deaths, but that has happened 16 times in the previous 39 years, from 1940 to 1979. So there is obviously an improvement going on here, but can there be anything else? Are, are we at that point to where it's like, you know what, man, we're, we're doing everything. And, and Brad, I'm, I'm going to start with you, kind of get your feedback on that a little bit. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, well, first of all, this this latest storm, um, you know, this devastating news, obviously, to be able to hear that that many people uh, lost their lives. We know that there are going to be tornadoes that are going to be that strong and stronger and hitting more and more populated areas as urban expansion continues. We know that. What what is so hard is to know that these people I've been reading a lot of the reports were in their homes. They weren't in cars. They weren't storm chasing. They were in homes. Now, we know this is a very rural part of the country. Um, it's, it's, it's way out there. This wasn't a big city in Lee County. The homes, most of those, uh, the majority of them seem to be modular, mobile homes, not stick built. They're not as strong. I I don't know necessarily if the warning process can get much better than it is. Lead time on warnings are, are good. We can always do better with that. I'm thinking now from, from my point of view is making sure people have a safe place that if they're going to have a mobile home in Alabama, Dixie Alley, Tornado Alley, that within walking distance, they have a safe shelter. Um, and, they, and they know how to get in it. And once they get the warning, they have somewhere to go. The people that, that died, they probably got the warning. They, they probably did, but and just had no place to go. They had nowhere to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here quick and then, then Morgan and whoever go ahead. Um, but I, that was exactly what I was going to say. I said, as, as I looked at and read about some of the things I, I looked at how many of the people were in, um, in, in the manufactured homes and, and without a basement, you know, um, because you could, you could see even in the reports that were done about the homes that had been pulled up off the, the foundation. And of course the foundation of a, of a mobile home is not much. Um, and, and even some of the, the, 
you know, talking to some of the survivors who talked about being in their bathroom, which is like the most interior place they could go. And they just hunkered down and hoped that that was because that's the only place they could go. So I think you're right. I think they were getting the warnings. And I will say that a couple of our viewers on the chat chimed in with exactly the same thing too. So I, I think you hit on it right there. There's been a ton of uh, scientific research coming out and they showed maps about how many manufactured homes were in the area. And there was a lot of people who did, they, they did what they were supposed to. They went inside, they got in the most interior room or a closet and that wasn't good enough. And um, Brad, you had mentioned, you know, getting to a safe shelter, but what if their lead time is not enough? I mean, just the day after, I think on Monday or two days after, we talked to a storm chaser that came from, he was coming from, I think, Columbus, Georgia, and heading west to get to that storm. And he said it was amazing that, you know, he came up on this and there's nowhere for these people to go. They, they, they hunker down, but what do you do? I mean, there's been so much talk in the industry about safety. Would you stay in the mobile home or would you get out and get in a ditch? Would you go in your car? Would There's really no good answer. Yeah. You know, I, I, I personally wouldn't get in a ditch. Um, I, I wouldn't stay in a mobile home. I, you know, what I have always told people in the past where they say, well, what do you do? What do you do? And my advice has been, well, if, First of all, this time of year, if you are in a tornado prone area, we have a responsibility to kind of be aware of when it's a storm day. It's today a storm day, you know, watch the weather forecast. Okay, it's not, well then go about your business. If it's a storm day though, then pay attention to the warning or the, the window of when the storms could come and then don't be where you can't get to somewhere safe. If it requires to go stay with a friend or a family member or uh, go to the shopping mall. Uh, you know, I've even told people to do that before. They're worried about getting hit in their car. Go park in the parking garage of the mall or, or go, go, to a, go to a store that, that has a safe place. Find somewhere where you can be where if you need to get shelter, you can. And that's, that's still a really difficult thing to accomplish, though. Uh, the best answer is to for people to have a, a shelter close by. And if they can't afford it, um, some sort of community programs to be able to install these. I, I would think at this point there has been enough. And again, I maybe not, but I would think that one of the biggest things that I, it seems everyone should know is that manufactured homes, mobile homes are not safe in tornadoes. And, and so, but the fact is, is people are still in them when tornadoes are yeah. coming. So uh, the issue whether it's lead time or it's communication, and I'll throw this out a little bit, with the changing demographics of our country, do we need to do a better job from a communication standpoint with different languages? Um, uh, I would say especially that, uh, because I have personal experience. Weather radios um, obviously can work, but they don't work everywhere. And especially in some of these backwater areas, uh, hilly areas, they don't get the signal uh, to work. And so I don't know that weather radios are the answer for everything either, but it, I think it's, I'd agree, it's, it's a communication and it's a having access to shelters. But what do you guys think about communication-wise and languages? Definitely. And, 
Yeah. Definitely communication. I think it's multifaceted. You know, for uh, for you guys, you might not be aware. I was actually out chasing that same storm on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I was all across between Columbus, you follow, mm -hmm. and all the way down toward Albany later in the day. But, uh, you know, that place is really, really uh, rural. And, and you may be an hour from the closest town. I know for a solid hour and a half, uh, you know, Sunday evening, I, I didn't have any cell service or Saturday, uh, the day of the tornado, but I had no cell service whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I'm just at the mercy of the sky at that point, just knowing what the storms are doing. Uh, at one point, I was surrounded by nine tornadoes or tornado worn storms within like 30 miles. It, it was just crazy. But, uh, you know, the, the communication is definitely important and being able to uh, communicate in times of non-severe weather and actually, you know, have effective communication and and build that trust with your, your viewers and the people that may follow you. And, and you know, that way, when the, the time comes along to sound the alarm, they do listen to you. Chris, what was it? What was the time of day that you were you were uh, tracking everything? Uh, I left out. of I stayed at the Renaissance Hotel at Hartsfield Jackson the night before. Uh, and uh, left out of there, oh gosh, probably about 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, went straight down to Columbus and hit the warm front in Columbus, went from 62 to 73 degrees in about nine miles. Wow. It was pretty impressive, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, it was, I was I was down there the rest of the day. The language, mm -hmm. when you guys talk about the language, I think that's important because a lot of times on this show, we've talked about how much sometimes things get too hyped or you know, it's all sounds the same to people. And we were talking even at work today about uh, the severe threat we have on this Saturday. Is it going to be a big outbreak or is it going to be a bust? And that's the problem. You could hype it up. And, and I'm not one to hype. I'm probably the opposite. <laughs> like it's going to have to be a big deal for me to get all bent out of shape about it. But you think about this, if you get everybody wound up, and they believe you and then it fizzles or there's a cap and or yep. there's too much convection in the morning and too much cloud cover and it doesn't happen. People are like, oh, yeah. guys, and that's that's the tough part. I think, Dina, is, uh, yeah. you know, being able to not just communicate the risk, but communicate what what could be the proverbial fly in the ointment. You know, what yeah. could mess this up? And, and that way they really start, you know, your people start to understand well, what are the things in play here? Because, you know, the weather's science and it, it, it's complicated. It's never clear. Yep. Well, and, and losing cell service, if you're there, I mean, you think about it, like Morgan saying, hey, we rely on our cell phones. Right. But I'm sure there are a lot of places where cell service is just not very good. Oh, it, it was and, non-existent in South Central Georgia, east of Albany. And east of 77, I mean, I, I, or 70, I 75, uh, there was like five or six towns I went to. I had, I had no cell service and I got AT&T. Yeah. But they're glad you just said oh. that. <laughs> AT&T plug there. Don't come to me. <laughs> Any, what, what else? Anybody else uh, have some comments on that? Is, uh, are there still opportunities to try and save lives or have we kind of reach the limit of how much we can do you know i i i'm i we can do better with with communication we we can um especially areas that don't have the cell service to be able to get to them absolutely we also have to you, you know when you have a killer tornado that's coming sometimes you can hear it coming Okay. And that'll give you a lead time of a couple of minutes. I know that's not a lot, but if you have somewhere, just if you had two minutes to be able to run out and get into a shelter, that would be possibly enough lead time to save your life. Um, 
you know, when it comes to communication, um, sometimes people will hear that tornado and they think, well, this, this is it. It's, it's over for me. Uh, I don't have a below ground shelter or I can't, uh, I can't survive in this, in this mobile home. That's not, that's not true. People can survive, not necessarily in a mobile home, but they can survive in, in a stick built home, even during the strongest tornadoes, but they're going to need somewhere at least better than you know, uh, a vehicle or, or uh, you know, a mobile home is a vehicle. They need somewhere that is safer to be um, because communication is is only so much. I, I've directly spoken to people saying, hey, there's a tornado coming right here. I'm out chasing. Uh, you have about five or 10 minutes. Where is your safe place? And they say, well, I don't know. And they go back in and crack open a beer and didn't okay. even come back out of their house. We had to go. So they didn't take uh, any action at all, even though they can't get better communication um, than that. If they had a shelter, well, maybe they'd have a couple extra minutes. Um, it, it, it's hard. It's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Well, the thing um, is, I, I feel that people don't have the self-efficacy. You know, they think that they mm -hmm. they either they can't, you know, there's no shelter. I, I can't go to, uh, you know, the interior of a bathroom because it's not going to work out. So they just kind of waited out. Um, I'm actually writing a paper in one of my communication classes about, you know, relating it to weather, making it about uh, severe storms and how um, people perceive communication efforts. And I think if we were to, and a lot of people do, and um, a lot of broadcast meteorologists do this, they provide people with the correct procedures. It's just some people you know, they don't think it applies to them or they've lived through it. They've, you know, oh, I've, there's been an F4, like a mile outside my house and my house is still standing, you know, and they, they think that it, it's, it's not going to be a big them. deal. Uh -uh. I watched, uh, what was it? House Hunters International. They said a hurricane destroyed their vacation home. They were looking for a new vacation home. They're like, well, a hurricane's not going to hit the same place twice. Uh, Do you know where yeah. <laughs> they're in the yeah. same area? I'd like to jump yeah, in here a little bit. Something, <laughs> uh, you know, something that, that I've seen a lot, uh, of course, over the southeast of the Carolinas is, uh, you know, we have uh, a lot of people that's moved down here from other parts of the country. And, and as silly as this may sound, they literally have no clue where they are on a map. You know, they, they look at a map and they don't know where they're at. And that's something that I've been trying to work on from my end. Uh, gosh, for the last couple of years. And I think that's awesome. And hey, guys, I'm sorry I'm late. Yeah. I just got yeah. down here. Um, you know, I'm all for self, you know, you're, you're, own res you're responsible for your life. And I sometimes have a hard time thinking that we need to, and I, I am, I'm all for helping people and trying to get them ways to be notified. But what happened to them taking responsibility for finding a way to be notified or I don't know. Sometimes it just bothers me. I think sometimes people, no matter how, what you do for them, they're just not going to to listen or do it. I think to advocate for them to, you know, take responsibility for them and their families and why not try to get them to do it that way? I don't know. I totally sometimes agree with like, you. I mean, a lot of people you know, that, it uh, drives me crazy. They have apps and everything else that tells them everything they need to do for the day, tells them the weather, tells them the time. If someone messaged you, and I think there's a lot of people that look for an app that tells them they're going to be okay and try to get the confirmation bias in their head. Yeah. They want to hear what they yeah. want to hear. Exactly. Not what they, they want do. to hear. They ignore it. 
But why aren't they trying to, like, they know they live in the South. They know there's tornadoes. They know it's the season. Why aren't they being, why aren't they being proactive and trying to figure out a way to be notified? Do you, do you uh, think that's changed, Kim? Uh, do you think that's changed over time, gotten better, no. gotten worse, or it's no. just about the same no. as it's I always been? I think it's the same. I think it's the same. I never going to happen. Never going to happen that's where the broadcast meteorologists, you know, come in and they build the trust with the community and people that live in these rural areas, they're going to be the ones watching TV and not relying on their cell phones because they don't have data. And if you trust your local meteorologist and they're telling you, hey, storm's coming, this is what you got to do, then they're going to do it. And mm -hmm. sometimes they don't do it, but, you know. Yeah, just to give you guys another angle about me, I, you know, I spent 15 years of my life as a professional firefighter here in Columbia. And uh, during the 2015 floods, I, I was a swift water rescue instructor and a uh, technical rescue and urban search and rescue stuff. But uh, we, we we rescued 196 people in 48 hours, uh, mm -hmm. me and about 20 other people. Oh, and, and the resounding wow. answer that most everyone we plucked out of their houses, cars, et cetera, et cetera, they didn't think it would happen to them. Yeah. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. the warning was there. The warning was there three days in advance. It's just like... What more can we do? Exactly. Look at how much video we show nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only are we giving them the warnings and the forecast, but we're showing them exactly what could happen. Mm -hmm. And and people just don't. I think it's just that people don't think it's going to happen to them. It's the same reason right. people drive through a flood. It won't happen to me. Well, I'll right. say this. I, I Obviously, I think the data proves that what has been done has gotten better. Um, there have been fewer deaths. There have been, so so I, I would say the communication's better. I would say the the access to shelters uh, has probably gotten better. I think you know certainly that could get a lot better. I believe. Uh, I believe the communication's gotten better, but I think there's room for improvement there. But I would say the good news is, is certainly things have gotten better with technology and everything that we've been doing and. Um, Hopefully, we'll keep going in that direction. But uh, we want to know what, what you think about that. You can always uh, reach us uh, via social media on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, just search Stormfront Freaks. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Or uh, drop us an email at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. And, and Brad, uh, how, can, how can our listeners and viewers, uh, how can they follow you, reach you? Yeah, so uh, whether your uh, cup of tea is Facebook, Instagram, or uh, Twitter, uh, just search for uh, meteorologist Brad Souter uh, on one of those. Um, I honestly don't even remember all of my little <laughs> handles, but uh, <laughs> usually just type in the name and boom, it'll it'll hopefully pop up. It's so, magic. It's yeah. always, yeah. always, always magic. Well, hey, that's the sound. It is time for our lightning round. So this is our game show of flashy questions we always have with our guest. Uh, we invite you to play along with us as well. Uh, tonight, we're going to play something. We're calling it uh, Tech Now. Tech Now. So, so here's the scoop, Brad. I understand you, you're, you, you think you're pretty good at technology, or you know a lot about technology. Is that? I like it. I, I, I spend a lot of money on it. <laughs> a lot of He's money. He's the guy on. that does all the hooking up of TVs and computers, right? I bet. Yeah, I was doing yep. that today. Yeah. All right, so so here's what we're gonna do, Brad. Um, you, you're gonna you're gonna play along here, and and we always invite our our freaks, our co-hosts. They're certainly welcome to chime in and and try and steer you to the right direction. Um, but I'm gonna give you uh, two pieces of technology, and you have to tell me which one is technology now. Tech now. And which one is a technology that hasn't quite yet been developed and made available to the public? 
that okay. makes sense? Yeah, that's and the cool. ones the ones that are available now yeah. are from the uh, Consumer Electronics Show uh, of 2019. So okay. these were just introduced uh, at the beginning of the year. Okay. Uh, so they are out there. So you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right. So here, here's what we're going to start with. First, uh, first two. Uh, one piece of technology is is a rollable television. So it's a television that rolls up into a roll and it's yeah. it's automated. You push a button and it comes out of the roll, comes yeah. right out of LG. the roll. Yeah. The, the second one is a heart monitoring t-shirt. So it's a t-shirt you wear uh, that can help monitor uh, your, your arrhythmia and heart rhythms, especially if you happen to have, uh, from a precautionary standpoint, any issues there. So the question is, is which one is tech now uh, compared to which one is not now? Well, I saw that LG rollable TV. I didn't get to go to the. Uh, Wait, the it rolls show. up. It, it rolls up like in a. Oh my God. So is that your yeah, answer? Is the rollable TV? Yeah, that's available now. Yeah. All right, yeah. you would be there correct, and, and yes. it actually is LG. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. You got that? All right. Here's here's the next one. Uh, so uh, this piece of technology is actually so everyone knows about virtual reality. That is a thing. Uh, but this is virtual reality that now is sold by a car manufacturer. And the kids in the back seat can basically put on the Oculus Rifts or whatever the virtual reality uh, headset is. And whatever it's showing goes along with the speed and the stopping and the turning of the vehicle. So you're actually, while you're riding in the car with mom and dad or whoever it might be, uh, you can see this virtual reality that's moving along with the speed and location of your car. So that's number like one. Num number two is is using coffee grounds. So everybody drinks a lot of coffee. There's a worldwide issue. Uh, issue. It's a worldwide <laughs> thing. It's a beautiful <laughs> and, thing. And so there's a lot of coffee grounds. So they talk about coffee waste. And so this piece of technology actually uses those coffee grounds for biofuel and, and creates fuel uh, to me, this reminds me certainly of uh, Back to the Future, to the future right? Future. And shoving that stuff wow. in the. So, so one of those is technology now, and one is technology that's oh. not quite here yet. Wow. Well, I don't know much about VR. Um, I haven't used it, but I uh, so I'm just gonna have to stab at this. I'll say that the um, coffee grounds are now. Coffee grounds now. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's correct. That's Mr. That is, Fusion. That is on the way, but it is not here now. So Audi, uh, Audi, uh, the uh, vehicle manufacturer in Disney got, has gotten together to do oh. these uh, mm. VR reality things while you're riding huh. in the car uh, that was introduced. So, huh. all right, mm. here we go. So you're one, one and one. Uh, next one is, uh, so forest fires, putting out forest fires using drones. So using drone technology, which obviously is, is very popular. But what these drones can do is now fly to these forest fires and using sound, um, they can use sound waves to help put out and redirect the fires uh, because it can uh, extinguish the oxygen and all that kind of stuff using uh, blasts of sound waves. Um, huh. the, 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 other, uh, the other piece of technology is smartwatch, which that is a piece of technology now, but this is a smartwatch that's powered Everyone's got battery issues, right? This is a smartwatch that is powered by the heat from your body, powers it and keeps it going. So which of those is tech now and which is not now? Oh. Boy, they both sound like Wow. Wow. Can I phone a friend on this one? <laughs> well, the, the, you, the, I always say the freaks can always jump in and get uh, let's, feedback. Let's, but... let's take this, uh, this one here. Number two. I don't know. 
So do you guys think it's the heat-powered smartwatch or the sound wave drones? Yeah, I'm getting drone wave drones. The drone one had the most detail. Too much. <laughs> hey, I got, got the last one right because okay. it had all that detail. <laughs> all right, so there you go. What do you think, Brad? I'll, I'll go with my panel here, and we'll say drones. Drones? Number two. It is, yeah. it is the, the solar and body uh, heat powered smartwatch. Oh, no, you didn't wow. say solar. If you just said yeah, that's that, solar change. I, I know. I, that's <laughs> all right. It's still heat. I didn't add that on, on purpose. Brad's never it's been here, so he's the first rule is to not listen to the freaks. But you know. that's right. Okay. <laughs> that's true. All right. So here we go. We got two more. Two more. So next one. So this is, uh, we talked earlier. Someone was talking about a breathalyzer. Who was that? I was me. I was okay. Talking. So, all right. So this, this is a, a vehicle. It's, it's basically a breathalyzer vehicle that can detect the, the levels of alcohol in the air when you get into your car and also can detect on sensors on the steering wheel, your blood can detect uh, your blood levels and alcohol levels uh, through your, through the steering wheel. You have and to be bleeding for that? No, no, it's, it's just like it's just heart like how rate. your heart heart rate monitor can detect all that stuff. So, uh, uh, but it won't start the car obviously if the levels are too high. So that's one piece of tech. The second one is uh, it's, it's a skin wand that you basically can put across your face. You're in TV, right? This might be something up your alley. So it's a skin wand you put across your face, and it de can detect uh, little micro blemishes. And when it sees a micro blemish, it can put a little bit of droplet of makeup on that spot. Oh. And so when you're done doing this, you're all look good and you wow. have perfect skin. So which one of those is hey. tech now and which is tech not yet? Oh boy. <laughs> um, so what was the first one again? <laughs> <laughs> it was the breathalyzer. I'll just call oh, it a breathalyzer yeah. car. Yeah. Breathalyzer you know, car I, or skin wand? I remember hearing about the breathalyzer car. I, I think I remember hearing about that. I think that was one of the stories from uh, the show. So let's was go that with that one, right? Was that in court? Okay, ready? <laughs> that, that would be incorrect. No way. No, I have heard of this. I have heard of a vehicle where you can connect like a breathalyzer and blow oh, in it. And then yeah, it, yeah uh, I've heard of that. Start or something. No, wait, wait. Did you this make is that a up? car where it's all built in. So that is not active yet. The one that is oh. active is the skin wand. That little detects that sounds, little that things. That very and, odd. I'm just going to say it. Well, it's wow. there. It's there. It's like so one of those mirrors where sell. you unnaturally look so closely at yourself that nobody would ever see you. It. it makes you look ridiculous. <laughs> All right, last it one. Let's see, if, let's see if we can finish on a high note. Last one. Uh, so this piece of tech, it's a. we're going back to the smartwatch, but it's a smartwatch that now can actually and officially measure your blood pressure because it has a miniature uh, blood pressure cuff in the watch band. So that's one piece of tech. The other one is um, now being able to use how, how cybersecurity and with passwords and all that kind of stuff. And now Facebook has the face detection, right? They can, or not Facebook, but Apple, right? And can open your phone with face detection. Um, this is now using brainwave sensors because those are even more unique that it can actually detect your brainwave um, to uh, open passwords, open other pieces of technology. So which of those is tech now and which of those is tech not yet? Oh my gosh. I think that other one sounds like Star Trek or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number one. I go with one. Yeah. Me too. One, one. Yep. 
Okay, we'll right. try the one. I think I've already failed anyway. You're going with one? <laughs> yeah. That would be correct. All right, well done. <laughs> so so you finished on a strong note, so that's good. No no one remembers the previous one, so as far as I'm concerned, you got them all right. So thanks thanks for playing along, Brad. Well done. Uh, so, hey, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to take our final break. Uh, we've got our new Tornado Talk segment with the story of the 1953 Flint, Michigan F5 Tornado. And we'll be right back with some Weather Fools and Weather Trollbot 5000. We'll be right back. It is considered Michigan's worst natural disaster in terms of deaths and injuries. The Flint Beecher F5 tornado of June 8, 1953. Per the Storm Prediction Center database, 12 tornadoes occurred on this day. Eight of them were in the state of Michigan, and six of the eight were significant, with ratings of F3 or higher. At approximately 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, a tornado developed two miles north of Flushing. Per the National Weather Service, it traveled 27 miles through parts of Genesee and Lapeer counties. Soon after its development, it grew to be almost a half mile wide as it slammed into the northern edge of Flint in the Beecher District. The tornado moved east-northeast following a path just south of the Flint River. Several more communities were hit and the tornado lifted just to the north of Lapeer. Soon after, a second tornado developed. It formed near Kings Mill and moved east to Lake Huron, passing north of Yale and between Jetto and Lake Port. The second tornado was given a rating of F4. The greatest damage was on both sides of Coldwater Road near Beecher. Homes were completely demolished. Per the National Weather Service, 340 homes were destroyed and 107 suffered major damage. Officially, the death toll from this devastating twister is 116. The National Weather Service in Detroit documented that the National Guard Armory Building and other shelters were turned into temporary morgues. It was a horrifying scene. 113 of the fatalities occurred in Beecher in a four-mile stretch of Coldwater Road from 2,500 west to 1,500 east. Out of the 116 killed, 55 were under the ages of 20, and five were less than one year old. As many as 20 families reported multiple deaths. The Flint Beecher tornado ranks as number 10 in the top 25 of deadliest U.S. tornadoes per the Storm Prediction Center. In a documentary series entitled Wrath of God, the Flint Beecher F5 was highlighted in one of its episodes. Coldwater Road resident Dorothy Robinson was interviewed. The clouds looked really ominous. They were just rolling around like in all directions and it was a muddy, coppery look. My husband and I were looking out the front door watching the clouds suddenly I heard this noise that sounded like jet planes flying over the house. He said, it's not planes, it's a tornado coming. And I knew with a, a sound like that was going to be horrible. Dorothy and her two oldest daughters hid under a bed. Her husband and youngest daughter ran for the shelter of a closet. Suddenly, there was this noise that sounded like a shot and it was the windows popping out, and right after that, I could feel the house sliding off the foundation. I remember being up in the air. I don't know how high, but things were coming at me from all directions, and, and then I was knocked out. The town of Flint was instrumental in the recovery and rebuilding efforts of the Beecher community. They supported a red feather campaign to gather relief and rebuilding funds. 
Per an article in My City Magazine, in August of 1953, Operation Tornado drew thousands of volunteers for a weekend building bee. The day after the Flint Beecher tornado, the same storm system spawned an F4 tornado in Worcester, Massachusetts. It killed 90 people and injured over 1,200. You can read about this event and many more on our website at tornadotalk.com and get hooked on more tornado history by following us on social media. Hey there, it's Min, the co-host of Weather Hype, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which include thunderstorms. If someone is struck by lightning, what should you do? Cardiac arrests is the immediate cause of death for those struck. Lightning victims do not carry an electrical charge and may need first aid immediately. Call for help by dialing 911. Begin CPR if the victim is not breathing. If an automatic external defibrillator is available, follow the instructions and use it. If possible, move the victim to a safer place. Lightning can strike twice. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. All right, welcome back. Time now for Weather Fool. This is always an interesting uh, segment that we have. Sometimes it goes really well. Sometimes it's a big question mark, but it's always fun. <laughs> we'll tell you that much. So weather fools, it's when you're finding people that are doing something in a weather phenomena that you're like, you're just dumb, buddy. All right. So to kick us off with that, Dina, you've got one, don't you? Yeah, I do. Uh, this one is funny. I'm going to share my screen because it starts off with this guy on his above ground pool that's frozen because it's been so cold and my it says the word legend is thrown around uh about too much nowadays that was the title but my title would be like hey hold my beer and he's <laughs> trying to get water out of it and <gasps> and the whole thing breaks open all the water goes all over the yard and the whole top of the water's a block of ice, block of ice. Yeah. and he's almost like surfing on. You saw him pick up his beer. Yes, beer was on the yeah. ice so while he was standing like, on the pool of ice. I don't know why he's down there. He's up there, like surfed. he was pulling off the panel. I, I don't know what he thought he was going to accomplish yeah. there, but oh, whatever. Mm. It's funny. You got to watch awesome. it. That's a good one. Yeah, I, like, I it. like that one. I mean, All the right. fact that he even was able to stand too, you know, and stay yeah. and stay upright. <laughs> right. cool. What are you trying Legend. to even accomplish yeah. here? <laughs> he should get a, some kind of an award for that, though, because that's yeah. great balance. Mm -hmm. All balance. right, MJ, you got some viewer or listener? I do. I have a couple of uh, viewer or listeners. Um, let's see. Hank, see, now I've got to be able to share screen while I'm doing all this. Here we go. Um, and this one could probably work for the. Uh, weather troll bot 5000 but this was uh wes peary from nbc 11 in atlanta and he was getting comments uh like crazy that you might be able to read on there when they were doing a tornado warning so it says okay we get it tornado warning now please put the golf on full screen oh gosh so we were just talking brad was talking about mm -hmm. this earlier and then you get you keep you go further and there's some more and it says turn this off and let's watch golf. Can you just get back to golf already? Oh, this is just a pub grab. Put the golf back on. And it just Not like keeps it's a going. Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> in yes. what world is golf more interesting than severe right. weather? I know. Well, and then somebody down at the bottom says, and here's the thing, it was the Honda Classic, a significant but not top tier golf tournament. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't like Sunday. 
So and anyway, so that was our friend, our friends at Helicity that uh, certified this as a hashtag weather fool. Caddyshack. Uh, and Caddyshack shared that would with have us. been a, a golf one would have been better. Remember that one? Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was one. And then, um, oh, I'm sorry. That was, I. yeah. Yep, that was Helicity. And then Ray Leichner shared a, another one for us. And this is what it was. And I got to run it back. And you can see that, right? Um, mm -hmm. It says, must watch, successful tornado intercept. So basically, these folks are going to do a uh, twister-style Dorothy deployment um, in a tornado. And right now they're getting in the car because they want to go drive, yes, toward the tornado. And they will proceed to drive toward the tornado and end up in the middle of the tornado, smashing out their windshield. Uh, and, yeah, it's all the wrong things to do. In their know. Toyota Prius. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'll see if I can fast forward a little bit. There you go. And now you can see they're sort of in the middle of it, as you can see the trees moving. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah, that was the Columbus. No, that was the yeah, Northeast Mississippi tornado. Sure. So was, was that you, Chris? No, no, God, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I, I was chasing that. I was chasing that two weeks ago. Also, I was down in Philadelphia, Mississippi, south of Columbus. Likely story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there, there we you accomplished go. something couple very of hard to do to drive your car. I mean, that's hard to intercept the tornado. They did it. Give them props. What's yeah, the, I don't okay. want to do that. What, what, I don't idea. think you want to do that, right? But <laughs> to try it with a helicopter next. There you go. <laughs> All right, Phil, what do you got? All right, so I've I've got a couple. I'm going to share the the first one. Actually, I just saw today um, was a, a on social media. I think I saw this on Twitter, but um, there was a drunk driver that was arrested for running into the National Weather Service office <laughs> in Midland, Texas. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. Um, so, I, you know, and, 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 and the comments are always, you know, a lot of these National Weather Service field offices are, are kind of in out rural areas and, and things land. of that nature. Right. They're, they're not uh, downtown. And so for someone to be drunk, be drunk and driving and happen to run into a National Weather Service office. <laughs> you uh, told me there was going to be a tornado. Yeah, it's, you, you think of the meme, whatever meme you want, uh, you can find that, and, and we'll put it in our show notes too, but you can find that picture, and then you can say whatever the heck you want to say about... Uh, Here, hold my beer. ...about the temperature being off by two degrees or whatever it is. Uh, the, the, other, the other one I wanted to share with you, um, is, is, uh, pretty funny as well. And since we're still uh, dealing with winter and, and snowy weather, uh, I thought this, uh, this would be a, an appropriate one to show everybody. Uh, so this was on, I'm going to pause this and this was on Twitter. So this is uh, Jack Durkin had a tweet of reporter, Laura Perot or Parrot, uh, P E R R O T. Anyway, she's from CBS Charlottesville. And uh, she's a reporter. She was getting ready to, I don't know what she's going to report on, obviously snow or something. And uh, while she was sitting there or, or uh, whatever she's doing, what happened was a snowplow happened to come by. And, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, whoops. Slammed, oh, slammed her with, uh, with some snow. She got nailed. Oh. By a, that snowplow is moving probably 45, 50 miles an hour. Dirty snow. Like it got in yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the, 
dirty, salty. Yeah, it's that kind of snow, and she she got she got sprayed. Like to hear her audio on that. (laughs) Well, actually, you can, uh, and I'll share that too. But she she screams. (laughs) I don't hear anything after that, but uh, she did scream. All right. Well, thank you, Phil. So, if you want to check those out, you can go to stormfrontfreaks.com, episode seventy four show notes, and you can find all of that and more. In case you missed those links. Very good. Okay. Hey, let's move on. Uh, we, we got Weather Trollbot 5000 is with us tonight. And I was reminded that last episode we had her on the show. She got demoted uh, to Weather Trollbot 4000. But I commented that cooler heads prevailed <laughs> and uh, that, that we she's back to Weather Trollbot 5000. So we bought her at a garage sale. She's a <laughs> robot. And, and what she's programmed to do is uh, basically we input all these trolls that we find of people trolling our weather, our favorite weather people. And we input uh, the responses from these folks and what happened. And Weather Trollbot 5000 will kick out what that person, uh, what that weather person was really thinking when they got trolled and and based on that comment or how they responded. And so this is definitely uh, not always for the kiddos. Uh, so if you need to fast forward uh, for the next five, seven minutes, you can do that. But we've got three to cover with you tonight uh, and see what weather Trollbot's going to kick out. And the first one is actually uh, our co-host, Dina, had a very interesting uh, comment. So tell us, uh, tell us what it was and what they said. So Monday, after all the storms over the weekend, Ari Sarsalari, who's been on the show, and I did a podcast for the Weather Channel. Uh, what it's like at ground zero of tornado damage. We had Brandon Clement on. He was talking to us. So we sent out the podcast and this guy replies, why do women meteorologists try to talk 5,000 words per minute? They can slow down and we could follow the weather better. And I'm like, is, is he saying I talk too fast? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I don't he, think I do. He's certainly picking out a particular gender that he thinks yeah, is talking and I'm thinking, too fast. And I was thinking, because I was the only female on that show, or he just decided to click on that one. But I'm thinking, dude, women right. meteorologists, shut up. So I didn't. <laughs> I didn't reply. I didn't tell him to shut his pie hole. But <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even like. I didn't even respond to it. But I was like, "That's just rude, buddy." All right. So we're we're yeah. we're gonna do this. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna plug this um, into Weather Trollbot five thousand here. Hold on. All right. And and then so she's got to go ahead and compute everything. And then what we're gonna do is it's it's basically what kicks out here is we're gonna have a chance to find out. Um, what Dina maybe was really thinking, and this is according to <laughs> oh, Weather God. Trollbot 5000. Oh, good. So let's hear. Here's what Dina Knightley was really thinking. Are you talking to me? Were you even listening to the podcast, or are you just a Russian troll account with three followers? You look like 90 years old on your profile photo. So, I am going to assume you did not come up with username, Larry115LD. Yep, you're just a Russian troll account. <laughs> How is the wow. weather in Siberia? <laughs> Dina. Instant block. Wow. Instant block. <laughs> Dina. Wow. Oh, Dina, Dina. Okay. So I, I, I don't know. We actually have you live, so you could tell us if that was anything close to what you were really thinking and if, if we're getting close. what we paid for. But it's like, sometimes you're like, why do you got to be so stupid? Don't yeah. Don't say stuff like that. 
All right. Well, that's the first one. All right. So the second one uh, is uh, Anne Campolongo. Campolongo. She's with Fox, Oregon. And she had uh, shown on Twitter, she had shown some blacked out Facebook account. So she didn't actually make this person public. But the comment was, you are a very beautiful woman. You looked very pretty in that dress this morning, smoking hot and sexy. And her response was, this is not okay. I have two degrees and I'm not on TV for your viewing pleasure. I am here for a forecast. Totally and completely inappropriate post. So, okay. what do you guys think of that? Smack. Yep. Smack. That's a smack. Uh, and and I, I would have to say, I think we've had very similar responses uh, that we've fed Weather Trollbot 5000 from Ginger Z and other people. Right. And, and uh, I, I'd imagine... I'd imagine that's uh, that happens, unfortunately, all too often. But let's go ahead. Let's type this in. We're going to type in that response. Okay, and we got to do a little computing. So we got to find out what what I guess Anne was really thinking uh, is kind of what the goal is here. And let's see. Here is what Anne Campolongo was really thinking. Oh my God! Do you understand how inappropriate your comment is? You show your inability to communicate with women behind your lame-ass Facebook account. <laughs> I have earned two degrees so I can be on TV to teach and communicate the weather forecast. I am not working hard daily for the morons like you that just care about my looks. I just blocked your slimy ass. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's good. That sounds pretty appropriate to me. Yeah. Appropriate response-wise. Good job, Ann. Good job. Nice. Good job. Good job. Okay. <laughs> last one. Last one uh, is a, a former guest that we've had on the show, James Spann, uh, oh, who's God. down in uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, oh, yeah. Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this was from uh, at Chance Casady. And uh, Chan here's what Chance said. He said, James Spann is a bad meteorologist who has created the fake idea that he is awesome and criticizing him means you hate saving lives. Giving updates on TV during a crisis is great. Staying on for hours to show your Twitter feed and gain followers is selfish and manipulative. Wow. Jeez. So that was chance. That was kind of, yeah. That was Ouch. wordy. Wordy. Yeah. That was kind of wordy. Brutal span. I don't know. Yeah. Brad, you, get, Brad you ever get that? Brad, you get people saying. <laughs> Everybody's always nice. I don't, You're hyping I don't yourself. No. <laughs> You've never seen. Yeah. No, no one's ever people complaining want to see their that you're talking game, too right? long. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. Show me the golf. Go back, to, go back to golf. All right. So here's what James. <laughs> this was James' response was just, sounds like somebody needs a hug. <laughs> that, okay. that was his real response. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. But uh, let's let's go ahead and plug this in, and and uh, we got to find out probably what James was really thinking because uh, you never know. James James can be James, and and he deals with people like this right all the time. All the correct. Time. So all right, so let's find out. Here's what James Spam was really thinking. Hmm, how should I respond to this ass bag? Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? Wait. <laughs> How about, looks like someone needs a hug. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Someone so, needs a hug really tight around the neck. He, he, did, he, he did think the guy was an ass bag, apparently. So that's, uh, that's, that's a little. We, harsh, we like James. Yeah, we he's do. A good yeah, guy. He's, he's a, a good guy. guy. Yep. Yeah. We like everybody. Oh, absolutely. We like everybody. All right. So. 
<laughs> you yeah, think so? Yeah. You, so, Brad, yeah. you got to send us a couple of your trolls. We'll find out really okay. what you're thinking. Right. Yeah, you kill uh, them with kindness, though. Kill them with kindness. You, yeah. you start with with I'm gonna I'm gonna murder them, but no, I can't do that. <laughs> can't say that. Yeah, delete, 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 and delete, just delete. end it with bless your heart. Yeah, yeah, that always works. It yeah. takes take the 20 minutes to My delete motto. everything you typed, right? Bless your heart. All right, so th thanks to Weather uh, Weather Trollbot 5000. Uh, always fun. And uh, let's do this. Let's go to our freak fan box. MJ, what do we got? All right, in the fan box today, we had the couple of them that I already mentioned from Helicity with the West uh, Peary uh, Trolls and Ray Leichner with the uh, Tornado Intercept. And then uh, our episode 49 guest, or one of them, uh, Min Fan. Uh, came back talking about uh, National Weather Podcast Month, saying there are so many good ones, all with their own unique perspective on meteorology. Each podcast has a different feel. And then he goes on to suggest uh, ours and Weather Brains and a couple of, and Carolina Weather Group, actually, uh, as um, uh, ones that he would suggest. So the three of those uh, got mentioned by uh, Min. And then uh, our uh, favorite German viewer uh, or listener, <laughs> uh, Luna Light, uh, Christine, says uh, uh, actually she had a suggestion for us the uh, at storm doctor as a possible guest for the show so we'll have to take a look at that so we appreciate all the uh, 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 all of our fans uh, chiming in and everybody and how, say how, Danke Fräulein Danke that's right. <laughs> so and how can they, how can they uh, how can they reach out to us MJ Oh, I don't know. Do Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Stormfront, <laughs> send us a letter. Twitter. We don't even care. Stormfront Freak. Uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash Stormfront Freaks. Uh, on our website, stormfrontfreaks.com. Just we'll, we'll just do the Brad Souter version. Ah, just Google me. That's just right. Google me. You can find me. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. Thanks for listening and watching. Before I reveal our next guest, uh, if you enjoy our show, do us a favor, leave us a great review on your podcast app, and don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting your podcast app subscribe button. Uh, works just like a magazine or newspaper subscription. It's free. Uh, it just assures you get the latest uh, episode of our show delivered right to your inbox uh, the minute that we uh, upload it. So I want to uh, shout out special thanks to our guest, uh, Brad Souter tonight. Uh, Brad, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, hey, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming on and taking the time. And our, for our, our co-host, Chris Jackson, as well, was with Yay! us. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, so, Chris. So, Chris, do, do us a little favor. Tell us a little bit yeah. about Carolina Weather Group and, and how people can uh, hear about you guys and what you're about. Absolutely. So the Kelowna Weather Group, we're just a, a local bunch of weather weenies from, uh, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina TV Mets and uh, private consultant meteorologists. Um, you know, we're on every Wednesday night uh, live on Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube uh, at the Carolina Weather Group. We're also on Twitter at Carolina WX Group. And, uh, you know, basically we just try to uh, discuss relevant topics in the weather community and, uh, you know, what we can do better to, uh, you know, take our field further up and, and just be better for, for science and for our, everyone that watches and listens. Awesome. Love that backdrop. Awesome. Thank yes. you. Thank you. I, should, I shot that picture last Friday night, a little, uh, little mini supercell roll right through Columbia. And I went out to a oh. parking garage and shot oh. some pictures. Oh. So fancy. They, got, yeah. they, do. they got fancy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they do, yeah. I'll tell you. Carolina Weather, Group, uh, Carolina Weather Group, Chris, you, get, you guys got some good video, good video mm. stuff going on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so here's what's up. Our next episode in two weeks, we're uh, going to continue National Weather Podcast Month. We'll be recording on March 21st as we celebrate Women's History Month with award-winning meteorologist in Puerto Rico, 
Uh, Ada Monzone is going to be with us. So we're really looking forward to, to having nice. her on as well. Cool. Cool. Um, if you'd like to watch the recording live, you can do so. It's 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Go ahead and check us out on our YouTube channel by searching Stormfront Freaks. So for MJ, Maz, Dina, Kim, Morgan, our intern, Chris, Brad, I mean, we've got a whole group tonight. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Watch our shows on YouTube and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.